Okay, so uh, Edwin Sarfati was supposed to do our scripture reading this morning, but he must be stuck in traffic, and we can all understand that. So please stand for the scripture reading, 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 19. 1 Timothy 6, verses 9 through 19. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold onto eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen, nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. Well, again, thank you for being here today. I saw the, uh, the crowd come in just... As we were singing that last song, I know that uh, Edwin, uh, we were all stuck in that same traffic as you, brother. And uh, Edwin, why don't you come along right now and just offer a prayer before the message? Why don't you just come right now, Edwin? Edwin, come on up. And uh, I know Edwin, you get out of sorts when you're in that traffic, don't you? But when, when you come here, you just want to, everybody can just calm. Come on up here, brother. Come on up. And just, uh, you're on praying ground, right? You're, you're, he's, he's sweating. Okay. Okay. So uh, you just offer a prayer, brother, and ask for the Lord's blessing on this time in the Word. Okay. 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 Oh, Heavenly Father, I do thank you for this time we have to gather together to praise you and to worship you, O oh Lord. I pray that you bless everything in this service. I uh, pray that you uh, empower the message, O oh Lord. May we... Live the message we're about to hear, O oh Lord, and just continue to uh, grow us daily in your love, O oh Lord, and uh, knowledge of you. And we thank you again, Father, for saving us, O oh Lord, and uh, give us a burden to reach others. To uh, Also, we have a concern that they get saved, too. So I pray, Father, you bless the service and bless all our families. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Okay. okay, turn please to First Timothy chapter 6. As we just start here today, 1 Timothy chapter 6, and verse number 9. Can you read it with me together out loud? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. God's Word says, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men, in destruction and perdition. Thank you. So we're going to continue our series in Timothy. We're saying Timothy is about how to live out love in the local church. And we live out love in the local church by not loving money. Somebody said it's not the love of money that's the root of all evil. But they, I've actually heard people say it's the lack of money that's the root of all evil. That's not what my Bible says, right? It's not what the, uh, God's Word says. I want to speak today on the subject of the love of money. 
its dangers, and its deliverance. Now, this passage of Scripture says, they that will be rich. And that's what causes the devastation. Those who pursue riches, those who have a strong desire or covetousness for riches. Now, later in the chapter, in verse number 17, and we read this in our Scripture reading, Paul says, charge them that are what? Are what? In verse 17. Charge them who are rich. And I dare say most of us, considering world population and world median income levels, we are rich in America, generally speaking. It's not wrong to be rich. Some of God's great men and women in the Bible were rich. Abraham and Job and others were wealthy. So it's not wrong to be rich, but there is something wrong about pursuing and desiring and making it your will. That's what he says here. They that will be rich. And you will find, if you make money your God, that money will rule you like the devil himself. So we are not to make an idol out of our money. Let's pray as we begin today. So Lord, we pray that you'll help us to rightly understand your word. And while we know money has enriched thousands, it has also damned its ten thousands. And we know that many do make money if they don't have you as their Savior and God. Even Lord Jesus, you taught that we cannot serve God and mammon or riches. And riches is the most natural replacement for you, dear God, in this life that people can make. And so thank you for this passage of Scripture that speaks to us very pointedly, very clearly, and with great power. So speak to our hearts from it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the love of money, its dangers, and then again as a deliverance from it. We looked last week at a deliverance from false teachings. This morning we'll see a deliverance from this matter of the love of money. As we've read, they that will be rich fall into a temptation and snare. And these drown men in destruction and perdition with their hurtful lusts. I read in a new poll, a recent poll from the Wall Street Journal. This is just last month. So this is very contemporary. They found that 39%, only 39% of Americans say that faith is a top priority in their life. In 1998, about 25 years ago, it was 62%. So in 25 years, faith being a top priority for Americans has moved from 62% of the people to 39%. And similarly, raising children, very important 25 years ago. 59% said raising children is important. Today, 30%. Can you imagine? 30%. Americans say raising children is important. The only metric that went up in this particular poll was the love of money. That has risen from 31% to 43% for Americans. That's the culture we're living in. So let's not get grabbed by it. Let's not get sucked into the way and the thinking of this world. Now, this, this passage has also a very interesting statement in it in verse number 10, where Paul says, For the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, some translations, if you don't have a King James, if you have another translation, they often soften the words of Paul here in other translations. And they will say, it will translate it, that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. But what does the actual text itself say? And it is actually very interesting. Now we know that the love of money is not the cause of every single sin a person commits. Like a six-year-old 
who steals a cookie out of the cookie jar. And he was like, why did you steal that cookie? I know it's the love of money in your soul, you know. No, the kid wanted a cookie, you know. And, and he wasn't supposed to eat it. And then he lied when he was asked about it. It, was, it wasn't the love of money in that instance. But what is this text saying? And it's actually saying something very important. So, if you just put on your, your hat for a minute and think, and I know we like to think, and I just put here on the screen the word order in the original language. Okay, this is if you were just to get an interlinear. And in the Greek language, what's important to know is words can be put in any order. Not like English, you know, where you have a subject and verb order. In Greek, you can put the words in any order, and the words are ordered for importance, for stress, priority. The first word in the original language is the word what? Root. Now, there is no definite article in the Greek before root. It just says root. Now, a lot of these other translations, like I said earlier, they'll say that the love of money is a root. A root of all sorts of evil. Now, our King James says that the love of money is the root of all evil. So my question is, why, why do these other translations soften this verse and take away that, that even that definite article of the root? Well, I will have to honestly say that the the root is not in the original text. In other words, there's no definite article before the word root. But, keep reading, it says root for all, and there is a definite article after all. The evils. And evil in the original is actually plural. So, all evils. And the, the Greek does not say all kinds of evils. The word kind is not in the text. That was added by the translators. So it says, root for all, the evils, plural. And that's a way of saying all the evils in the world are rooted in what? The, another definite article, love of money. And also, another thing to point out here, it says, so that's, the, that's just the basic, that's just the word order. Root for all the, and I capitalized the, because definite article points to evils, and then I capitalized after evils the verb, which is is, is, is in a present tense, meaning what was true then, it's true what? Now. <laughs> So what was true then is true now, will be true tomorrow, true everywhere, anywhere you go. The Word of God transcends time and transcends culture. Let the Word of God stand. This Word of Paul is a very strong statement that while not, it doesn't say every sin, it doesn't say that the love of money is the root of all every sin. It's not what he says. It is the root of all the evils that are in the world. Any evil and all the evils that are in the world are rooted in this particular sin of the love of money. Why do people lie? Why do people steal? Why do people commit immorality? Prostitution. Why are they trafficking children? and abusing them, and doing all kinds of terrible things to them right in our own southern border and around the world? Why do people kill? Why is there murder? Why is there war? It is rooted in the love of money. So that's a very strong statement. And by the way, the, the word love of money is actually one word. And it's not the word agape love. It's not an agape love for money. That's a divine love, right? It's not agape. It's a phileo. And literally the word is a love for silver. And it's a phileo love for silver. In other words, even, you don't even have to have an agape love for money for it to be the root of all evils. 
You just have to have a very strong affection for it. Isn't that something? So we are warned here about this terrible danger that the root of all the evils and any sin as well, and I believe we could say this, any sin that a person commits could find its, its it, it could be categorized as a, as a love for money. In other words, somebody might lie and not be moved because of the love of money, but other people are, do lie. So every category of sin can be committed because of this particular danger, the love of money. So let's just look at this this morning and see what happens to your life when your very soul becomes a money pit. <coughs> now there was a stupid movie with that title. I didn't see the movie. And I'm not recommending you see it, but there was a movie. And it was called The Money Pit. It was about a house that they poured all this money into and it just fell apart. But, you know, your life can be a money pit too. <laughs> you just keep pouring money into your body, into your teeth, into your bones, into your face. You know, I mean, you see some of these actresses. I saw a picture of an actress this week. She was pretty back in the 90s. And then they were like, what happened to her? You know, she did all this stuff and she had all these... And it's like, oh... You know, her, 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 she's a money pit, you know, she tried to fix herself up, but you can't fix this body up, eventually it's going to what? It's gonna, we're going back to the dust. <laughs> anyway. So what happens, how can we keep our soul, our body, our life from becoming a money pit? And how can we be delivered from this danger, the love of money? So let's just look, first of all, the dangers of loving money. The first danger of loving money is you're going to fall. Now, I put this, whoops, I put this and I said, should I actually do this a little painful? It's not too painful, but, you know, I'm going to loop this though for a moment, okay? Just let this sink in because notice what it says in our text. Okay, can you concentrate? No, hold, hold up, hold. Let me, let me go back. Okay, let me just stop for a moment. She's just walking down the stairs there. Don't worry, she's fine. But notice what it says. It says, they that will be rich, what are they going to do? What's going to happen to them if you make it your priority and purpose and pursuit to be rich? What's going to happen to you? You're going to what? You're going to fall. And again, the tense there is a present tense. In other words, your life is going to be looped. You're just going to fall and you're going to get up. And if you keep loving money, what's going to happen to you? You're going to fall again. And you're going to get up. And if you keep loving money, what's going to happen to you? You're going to fall again. This is your life if you love money. Falling. If you're bent on falling in love with money, you will fall. You will open yourself up to falling into every category or kind of sin that I just mentioned. Fornication. Adultery. Lying. Stealing. You will fall. And what do you fall into? Well, first of all, you will fall into temptations. You will be conquered by temptation if you love money. And I saw this in the news yesterday. I said, wow, how sad. I don't know this guy. I'm not on TikTok, but maybe some of you know. He's a famous TikTok dad. Anybody of you heard of Bobby Mowdy? He had a big following on TikTok. He, co he committed suicide. There he is on social media, making people laugh. A father of three children. But he had heavy, rising financial pressure. And financial pressure is very real. And it can lead you to do terrible things to yourself and to other people. And he was tempted with suicide. I believe his house was repossessed. And he, he committed suicide. He was conquered by temptation. So we must be careful, beloved, with the love of money. You will fall, and you will fall into temptation. You see, the love of money will jeopardize your spiritual life. Not only will you fall into temptation, but you, and I don't have too many gifs, so don't worry. But I do have a gif here. It's a trap. It's a trap. You will be captured by a trap. That's what he says. Fall, yes you will, into temptation and a snare. A snare is simply a trap. 
Now that word snare appears two other times in these pastoral letters. Both times speaks of the snare of who? The snare of the devil. Now, it doesn't say the devil in our text, but I believe Paul is, in a sense, hinting at it by using the same word only two other times. Both times, he talks about the snare of the devil, that they may recover themselves, 2 Timothy 2.26, out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. So when you fall prey to the love of money, you will come under the temptation and the snare of the devil. You will be captured. You'll be captured. And Paul has a lot to say about Satan to the Ephesian church, doesn't he? He says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So the, pro- the problem if a person loves money, it's not the actual green money that they put in their wallet. I mean, we don't even see a lot of the money that we're spending and buying and selling with today. It's, it's all electronic, right? But there's a spiritual aspect to money. And money is a litmus test of our faith and our trust in God. Not only will they be conquered by temptation and they will be captured by this trap, but they will be controlled by their lust. They will fall. Fall into the danger. Falling. If you love money, you will be falling. You will be conquered, captured, controlled. By temptations and traps and lusts. And notice, what kind of lust does it say in in this verse? Notice Paul actually qualifies the the term lust in three different ways. What does he say about lust there in verse number 9? What does he say about our lust? What, what, What are these lusts like? They are what? They're before foolish. What are they also though? Before foolish. Don't miss that word. Many. There will be many lusts. And these lusts are what? And I heard it. Foolish. And these lusts will bring about what? Hurt. Injury is the idea. Injury. You will be injured by these foolish lusts. And the idea of foolish is it doesn't make sense. Why somebody, why did that person do that? It doesn't make any sense why somebody would take their life. Or, how could they leave their family? That doesn't make any sense. Why would that man divorce his wife? What a foolish thing to do. Often, the the love of money will cause somebody to do irrational things that make no common sense if they really sit down and think about it. And then those things will lead to great injury. Now, one of the great dangers of our society, and I have it on the screen here, is gambling. The danger of gambling. Gambling is no doubt a symptom of this root problem in a person's life. The love of money. If you are playing the lottery, I challenge you to stop. Because I believe that playing the lottery and gambling in any way is rooted in a love for money. And today we're seeing a tremendous problem in gambling addictions. Again, an article, very recent. This is dated, I can't read the dates, but it's very recent. A ticking time bomb. Gambling addiction is at an all-time high, and it's about to get worse. Gambling is highly addictive. You don't want to start. You don't want to gamble in even the smallest ways. It has gone up 30%. And it's constantly put before us. So it's difficult to resist this. But we must. With the sports gambling now, if you watch a sports game, there's three different companies advertising for you to to gamble, and they'll even give you $1,000 for your first for your first bets. I mean, that's tempting, but don't fall into the trap. It's a trap. Don't go to the casinos. Don't play the slot machines. Don't buy the scratch-off tickets. If you buy gas, 
buy gas, but don't buy this, those scratch tickets that, that are sold in that place. I found an old article. I tried to find a new article, but I found an old article by the Barna Research Company, and you know they're very well known for doing surveys. And so this is a little dated. It's, it was back in 2005, just to let you know. So that's a, a while ago, but I, I don't believe that things have changed. And the point of what Barna found in that survey in 2005 is that a higher percentage of people who say they're born-again Christians play the lottery than atheists and agnostics. 15% of the people who, who play the who buy lottery tickets say they're born-again Christians. 15% of the people who buy lottery tickets say they're Christians. And only 12% atheists and agnostics. That's a shame on us. That's a shame. That we're, we're not trusting God to meet our needs. Now, these people, I know people will argue, they say, well, what's wrong with buying a lottery ticket? Come on. But let me ask you this question. Imagine if you, were, you worked for a wealthy man and he put you in charge of his money. And you are going to take his money and buy five... And he's, he's rich, so like, what's $500 for him? Nothing. You know, it's like, it's like $500 for him is like 50 cents for us, let's just say. And you were to take his money, $500, and go taking his money to buy $500 of, of lottery tickets. I don't think he would be happy with you. You say, that's right. Because it's not my money. I'm, I'm buying... It's his money. I'm, ta- I'm taking his money to buy lottery tickets for me. He wouldn't be happy with me. But beloved, the money we have is not our own. We're just stewards of it. It's the Lord's. We cannot take the Master's money and gamble it and throw it away. And here's another terrible thing about lottery tickets. Look at this. State lotteries started in 1973. As soon as one state started it, boy, almost every state, I believe you could buy lottery tickets in 45 out of the 50 states. And look at the rise in pricing over the years. In 73, 2 billion of sales of lottery tickets. 97, 34 billion. 2021, 105 billion. It's not going away. And here's the terrible thing about state-run lotteries. They prey on the poor. They prey on the poor. You see, poor people generally, they don't pay taxes. So state lottery is a way for the states to tax the poor. It's a regressive tax. Regressive meaning it doesn't help the poor because they're not making any money. They're giving their money back to the government that gave it to them in the first place. It is preying on the poor. And you could, I don't want to bore you with too many statistics, but I'll just throw you one more. They say that those who earn $13,000 or less, now that's, you're in poverty if you're earning $13,000. $13,000 or less, a, a, a good percentage of those people spend 9% of that money on lottery tickets. In other words, they give like a tithe. They, they make a tithe to lottery tickets. Now that's an addiction. That's a trap. That's being conquered by temptation. That's being controlled by a lust. And you don't have to be rich to love money. You can be poor and love money too. If you make it your pursuit, you'll fall. And then, not only is there a falling... But there's a sinking. It says it drowns men, and then he says into destruction and perdition. This is an interesting word where it says which drown men. It's only used one other time in the New Testament, and it's used in that, that story, and that's what this picture is supposed to be illustrating. Remember the story where they went out fishing all night and didn't catch any fish? And then Jesus told the disciples, cast down your nets. And Peter said, oh, well, okay, I'll just cast down one net. And he cast down a net. And remember, it filled up the net, and they started pulling the fish in, and it began to sink the boats. 
The boats began to sink. That's the word here, drown. A sinking. In other words, just like the boats could not manage the weight of that fish, and it sank the boats, our lives cannot manage the weight of the love of money. And the love of money will sink your life. It says it will drown you. There will be a drowning, a sinking. Just the way the boat sank under the weight of the fish, the love of money will sink you because it's a heavy weight to bear. And notice what it says. It will sink in two, two things. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's exactly... I'm not sure exactly what this means, but destruction and perdition does not sound like a good thing. Does that sound like a good thing to you? <laughs> that sounds like a lot of danger right there. Destruction and perdition. The, the best understanding I could come out of that was the destruction could well focus on your physical body because the love of money will have effects on your body, on your mind, on your heart. And then it will affect your soul. Perdition could speak of the destruction of your soul. Body and soul destroyed. It could well speak of that. The destruction and perdition. The word perdition is often used to speak of somebody's soul destruction. Like the, uh, Judas was called the son of perdition. The Antichrist is called the man of perdition. A family member of mine, this was a number of years ago, but his brother committed suicide. And I remember the terrible pain that that caused in our family. And in especially the man who committed suicide, it's his brother that we are close with in our family. And he left a note. He left a suicide note. And his note was shared with me, and this is what he said in his note to his brother. He said, I feel the hurt I've done to you. And this is what he said. He said, money, more than anything, has caused this hurt. My love for it. He actually wrote that. My love for it has caused this hurt. My life driven by it. My need to keep on making it and piling it up. It's a hard pattern to break. Yes, it is. The love of money is a terrible addiction. And then he said, Dad ingrained it in me. So dads, watch out what you ingrain in your children. And this man died with financial pressure, but he had thousands of dollars in the bank. He drove a Mercedes Benz, and yet he took his life because of money. It will lead to a falling. And that's what our text says. They that will be rich fall. And then you go on, it says, it says, which drown men. It will lead to a drowning, to a sinking. And then as you go down into verse 10, it says, then for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted after, they have erred from the faith. So it will lead to a wandering from the faith, an erring from the faith. Now, Remember the context of these verses is in the context of these false teachers who believe that gain is godliness. A lot of these false teachers were, were, were using their platform to get money. Now let me ask you, have there been false teachers who still use a platform of the Gospel and even in a false preaching of the Gospel, they use it to get money? Oh man, there's, there's so many I can't count them. But I remember listening to one guy one, one day. He was saying, if you have a need, plant a seed. Right in my back pocket, basically. That is wicked. You know, I, by the grace of God, and if, if, I'm, if I'm, what I'm going to say is wrong, you just tell me. But from my understanding, just to let you know, from my understanding, I've never asked one person for money in my whole life. I've never asked one person here, in other words, personally, gone to you and say, I want you to give.
to me. I, I, could you give this to me? I've never, I don't ask people for money just to let you know. But the love of money causes people to err. It has a blinding power. The love of money deceives you to think that you could be more fulfilled, that you could be more satisfied with money. Oh, I, God hasn't given me that money. And, it, and so I'm going to wander away. I'm going to leave the faith in order to get that money. And money will become your God then. Money will become your God. Money has a blinding power. And a lot of people do think, God is withholding from me. God's holding out on me. I need that money. Why isn't God giving me that money? And God isn't giving it to you. And some people get angry at God. They get mad. Keep hitting the button. Sorry. <laughs> but the love of money will deceive you. You know, 1 Timothy is a lot about people wandering away from the faith. And here we come to one of the key reasons why people leave the faith of Jesus Christ. Because of money. And a lot of people leave the faith as well because they think the church just wants your money. And that's why I sometimes, that's why I even said what I just said because we're not here for your money. I'm not here for anybody's money. If you think I want your money, you're wrong. And if you think this church wants, or wants your money and that's why we're glad you're here, no, that's not true. We're here to preach the gospel freely. We want people to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We want people to know that they must be born again by the grace of God. That this life is a short life. And you can amass all kinds of wealth, but in the end, how much did John D. Rockefeller leave behind? So he said, how much did he leave behind? He left it all. <laughs> he left it all. And so will we all. We looked at that a little bit last week. But don't let money cause you to leave the faith of Jesus Christ one way or the other. And that's what these, these pastoral epistles are a lot, about. A lot of people leaving the faith. Look at 1 Timothy. Just, let me just look a few verses up with you. We'll go back to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Look at verse 6. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6. It says, From which some having swerved have turned aside unto vain jangling to false teachings. And they were turning aside to the false teachers who were promising them material gain. I believe when we come to chapter 6, we find a main reason why people were swerving and turning aside to vain jangling and erring from the faith. It was the love of money. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. Look at verse 19. It says, "...holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck." They've made shipwreck of their faith. Chapter 4, verse 1. The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And this is the doctrine of the demons. To love money. People were turning aside after Satan. Chapter 5 and verse 15. It talked about the widows. We did a message about the widows. He's, and Paul says in chapter 5 of Timothy, they're already turned aside after Satan. And the book ends with a very pointed challenge as well in verse 21, the very end of Timothy. Uh, read the last verse of Timothy with me. Chapter 6, verse 21, please. He says, which some having professed have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. They are erring from the faith because of a love of money. So let me make this application. A person who willingly takes a job that keeps them from worshiping God on Sunday is making a very dangerous decision. I believe if a person takes a job that continuously, regularly leads them to forsake the assembling of themselves together, they're putting their faith in peril, they're in danger. If they willingly, knowingly take a job that prevents them from coming to church, that decision leads that Christian to break, to disobey a clear command of God. 
Not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. It should not be our manner. We have a clear command, don't we, in Scripture, to gather together. So if I take a job that prevents that gathering, that, I don't believe that job is in God's will. Any job that leads you to habitually, regularly miss attending church puts your faith at peril. You could easily wander from the faith. Because, oh, i got to make money. Now, we all have to make money. There's no doubt. I understand that. And then we can also say many others, they say, I have to make more money. I have a job, but I have to take a second job or a third job. And then they don't have time to spend with God in reading the Bible. They don't have time to pray. They don't have time for their family. Church? Oh, that's way, that's way at the bottom now. You don't even have time to say hello and goodbye to your wife and kids because of two and three jobs. Your faith is in peril. You're making decisions that will jeopardize your spiritual well-being. Don't do it. The love of money can lead you to neglect your family, your child, your God, your church, prayer, the reading of God's Word. Don't let that happen. The love of money will lead, has led many to wander from their faith. And then, the last thing here of these dangers is a piercing with many sorrows. A piercing. Which is basically a plunging the sword into your own body. Self-inflicted wound. Suicide. In pursuing their dream, the American dream sometimes, they do cruel damage to themselves and inherit a nightmare. And I just have a few pictures there. Of course, Judas betrayed Jesus for a measly 30 pieces of silver and he was pierced through with much sorrow that he went and hanged himself. Achan coveted a bit of gold and a garment, a Babylonian garment, and it pierced him and his family and they were stoned under a pile of rocks. So this is, these are the dangers of money. The dangers of money will lead to a falling, a sinking, a wandering, and a piercing. Those are the four dangers. And then, quickly, the deliverance. And I just put all three up here on the screen. The deliverance from loving money is in verse 11 and 12. And I won't take long, but let me just read these verses where he says, But thou, O man of God, thou, O man of God, you want to be a man of God? A woman of God, man being generic, women. O child of God, young people, be a child for God. Women, men, be men and women of God. He says, flee these things. Flee these things he's just been talking about. Flee this love of money. Flee. Sometimes the best strategy in battle is to run. Joseph fled from temptation. So in other words, if you're sitting in a casino and you're sitting at the slot machine, you don't just sit there and say, okay, I'm going to have resistance, and I'm not going to gamble. No, that's not what you do. You run out of that casino. You flee. You run. Because you will not find righteousness at the slot machine. You will not find godliness at the poker table. You will not find love at the gambling casino. You've got to skedaddle. <laughs> Escape. Flee. And then he says, not only flee, this is, I love King James Bible alliteration. Here it is. Flee, and then what? Follow. I didn't even have to think of the F word. There's, it's, it's the good, these are good words. Follow. Flee. Follow. After righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Follow. We run and flee from evil so we can follow the Lord. And as long as we are on earth, we are men and women of God on the run. Running from evil. Fleeing it. Because if we don't flee evil, it will catch us. And we are following and running after Jesus Christ. Because if we don't follow Him, his righteousness and presence and power 
in our lives will elude us. We must flee evil or it will catch us. We must follow righteousness or it will elude us, dear friends. By the way, the word follow there, you know how it's often per- translated in our, in our Bible? You know what that word follow is often translated? You could look it up in Blue Letter Bible if you still word study on that. It's translated most often persecute. Persecute. In other words, as those antagonistic to God follow the Christians, like Paul was following Christians to persecute them, there's an aggressiveness to this word, in other words. There's an aggressive seeking after something to get hold of it, grab it, arrest it, so I can bring it under my control and power. So here he's saying, follow aggressively. Get a hold of God. Get a hold of reverence in your life. Of, of, as he says, godliness. Get a hold of faith. Aggressively pursue love and make it your own. Arrest love and put love into your heart, dear friends. Arrest and get hold of patience. Follow it like, like, they were, like the, you, you were persecuting after something. But persecute after righteousness. Wow, follow the Lord. And then fight. Notice what he says. He has the word fight in there twice. Although it's, this is not a term of warfare, military. It's more of a term out of the athletic realm. It's, it's, a, it's a word out of the gymnasium. It's a word out of the, the, the world of sports. The wide world of sports. Where he says, fight the good fight of faith. And I have to tell you, I, I hope I'm not putting too much on you here, but that word fight is one of my favorite words. And it's the word agonizomai. And, and, and so he says, agonizomai is fight. That's the, that's the verb, and it's a command. Fight. And then he says, the good agony. He uses twice. Agonizomai, the agon. Fight the fight. There's an agonizing there again. So there's a lot of emotion in these words. In other words, you cannot live, we cannot live the Christian life casually. We cannot coast for Christ. We've got to agonize. We've got to, we're going up a mountain. We're, we're on the battlefield. We're not on the playground. We're on the battleground. As Tozer well said, if we're going to experience deliverance from these dangers of falling and sinking and wandering and being pierced through with many sorrows. And I don't want that for me. I don't want it for you. I don't want it for our loved ones. We've got to flee these things. And we've got to follow the Lord with a strong, aggressive pursuit. And we have to agonize and fight and leave it all. You know, like, like they say in sports, He left it all out on the field. That's how we have to live for Jesus Christ. Leave it all on the field. At the end of my life, that's that's what I would like to to feel that I have done. I put it all out there and I left it all out there for Christ. Let's do it for Jesus' sake. Because He is worthy. He is a, a, a God of great glory. Let's stand together as we pray. Thank You, Lord, for Your love. Thank You, Lord, for Your power. Thank You, Jesus that there was no love of money in your heart. You were offered the kingdoms of the world by Satan. And you refused because, Lord, you knew you had to go to the cross. You took a cross. You bore a cross rather than a crown in this life. Help us, Father, to realize we're not here for crowns. You will crown us in your right time and in your way. We're here in this life to bear the cross. So we flee to You, Lord. We follow You, Lord. We want to fight for You, Lord. We want to bear our cross and follow You. You said, if any man will come after Me, let him take up his cross, deny himself, follow Me. And Lord, thank You so much that though You were rich, You became poor. 
you became poor. And you even said that those foxes had holes and the birds of the air had nests. But you had nowhere to lay your head. So Lord, forgive us that we have so much more in this life than you ever had. And to think, Lord, that here we are with our hair dryers and our air conditioners and our indoor plumbing and our pickup trucks and our central heatings and our dishwashers and all of our six flags and snow skiings and snorkelings and vacations. And yet we complain. And we feel that we don't have enough because somebody else has it better. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for not taking the cross. Help us to realize, Lord Jesus, all the blessings that we have in You. And that our true riches are not the riches of this world that we will leave all behind. Our true riches are the riches of faith. Make us rich in faith. Amen? Make us rich in love, Lord. Make us rich in peace. Make us rich in the power of Your Holy Spirit. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And who would say, Pastor Matt, pray for me because the love of money is a struggle in my life. And I don't want to be captured by these dangers and by these snares. And I don't want to err from my faith and wander from my God. Pray for me that I would not be captured by the love of money, but that I would be captured by the love of Jesus Christ. Can I see your hand today? You've been struggling. God bless you. God bless you. You don't have to have a lot of money to love it either. It's in our hearts. It's what we're pursuing in our hearts. Let us pursue the Lord. Let us follow the Lord. So now, Lord, please work. Is there anyone here today who'd say, Pastor Matt, if I were to die today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Pray for me that I could be saved, that I could have eternal life through Jesus Christ. I know I'm a sinner, and because of my sins, I know I'm worthy of death and hell. Please pray for me that the Lord Jesus Christ would be my Savior from sin. Can I see your hands? Is there anyone like that who is not sure you're saved, but you want to know for certain? If you have any questions about that, please feel free to talk to us. So now, Lord, please work as we surrender ourselves afresh and new today, as we celebrate Your death on the cross with the Lord's Supper before we go. Lord, draw near to us as we seek to draw near to You with a pure heart and full assurance of faith. In Jesus' name, Amen.